We're in the third week of our message series, Turbulence, Staying Close to God in Turbulent Times. Because the month of November can be a pretty turbulent, pretty crazy month for folks. If one's in any kind of a study kind of a mode, you know that it's the end of the semester, that there's a lot of end of the year kind of stuff that can happen in work world. And of course, in preparation for Christmas, that there seems to be so many different things that happen. Also, there's been a lot of turbulence in the world. The war in the Holy Land, the war in Ukraine, other parts of the world where there are various conflicts and tensions, the challenges and tensions in our own country, and sometimes where we can even feel it within the church as well. And when we had this funness happen when the fire sprinkler broke a few weeks ago, there can be a lot of turbulence in our lives. And whenever we feel that turbulence, our natural tendency is to turn away from God rather than towards. But we are called to turn towards God whenever things start to get chaotic, crazy in our lives. And especially when things start to get turbulent, it's important for us to rejoice in the Lord. So that's the primary message that we're taught today. On this, Galdate, Rejoice in the Lord Always Sunday, is even in the midst of turbulence, we can rejoice. And ironically, if we turn to the Lord and rejoice in the Lord, that's what oftentimes will help us the most to get out of that turbulence and that craziness that we can find ourselves in. So in turbulent, crazy times, it's more important to rejoice in the Lord than when it seems like everything is going peachy keen dandy our way. Now, when all of this happened with the damage to the fire sprinkler pipe, I'll be honest, it was something that was starting to suck my joy because we had a great October, November. We were continuing to grow. A lot of our ministries seemed to be a lot of energy, enthusiasm, etc. Then when that broke, it was like, sucked that kind of out of me. And even I would say kind of brought the wind out of the sails of many people as well. And I'm very glad that I went to a conference right after that fire sprinkler pipe broke called the National Catholic Youth Conference with a youth group that we took from St. Albert the Great. And the bishop who did the concluding mass for that National Catholic Youth Conference gave one of the best homilies that I've heard in recent years from a bishop. And he was especially preaching on joy. And some of the things he said about joy have been ones I've continued to pray and reflect on. In particular, because I've said this sometimes to people as well, that so often why people don't want to go to church is because it seems like when you exit the church sometimes, not that this would ever happen at St. Albert the Great, of course, we can be like somber faces, right? Sometimes when we come out of the church, it's like, hey, you can smile, right? <laughs> Smiling is allowed in church, all right? But sometimes people have this notion that church is for people who don't smile. <laughs> church is for people who don't have that particular joy. And it's important for us to smile. It's important for us to have that joy, to remember it's good for us to be joyful when we experience church. But again, there can be things in our life that will try to suck that joy away. 
when we had a fire sprinkler pipe break on this side of the church a couple years ago during Snowmageddon, I remember that it was something that kind of sucked my joy big time at that moment. And when it happened this time, after that conference, I said, no, I am not going to let you steal my joy this time. I stood up against what was trying to take and steal and rob that joy. And this is something important for us to understand. There will always be things that will try to steal and rob us of joy. Satan hates joy. The evil one is the ultimate thief, the ultimate deceiver. He's the ultimate one that wants to suck all the joy out of us because he doesn't have any of his own and so he wants to take it literally from us. And what happens is as we start to lose our joy, we naturally stop going towards God because again, God is the source of all joy. So if we're losing joy, that's why we start to turn to things that we think will bring us joy, but all they really do is entertain us. They might numb the pain, discomfort, or difficulty or turbulence that we're facing, but they really don't help us to find joy in the midst of any of those struggles. So the evil one wants to rob that from us, whereas God always wants to give us that particular joy. The reason why Jesus came and why we're going to celebrate the incarnation, that's Christmas, of how God became a human being to dwell among us, is because Christ wanted to restore our joy. When sin entered the world, joy was lost. Human beings did all kinds of stuff with sin to numb the pain that we experienced. Sin begets sin. Sin produces more sin. And we transmit our sin and pain onto others. Jesus came to break that cycle of what was sucking away our joy and to help restore that joy. In the readings this weekend, we hear in the first reading from the prophet Isaiah a very clear message of joy, of how the Messiah would come to bring liberty to captives, to heal the brokenhearted, to help us to rejoice in the Lord always. And it's something very interesting. If you ever talk to someone who works in the medical profession, they'll tell you the people who heal the quickest are the ones who have joy. The ones who oftentimes will recover even from life-threatening illnesses versus the ones who end up dying from those illnesses or injuries are those that have joy. That's part of what the prophet Isaiah is trying to help us to understand. Joy heals us. Joy helps us to recover more quickly because of what the virtue of joy is all about. Joy is not about just being happy. That's a common mistake that we can make. The virtue of joy that we celebrate on this Sunday is about seeing what's present versus what's absent. Joy is the virtue that's the quintessential, the glass is half full. Joyful people are the glass half full kind of people. They will always see what is present and see that the glass is half full. Those that have lost their joy 
are those that will always be the glass half empty kind of people. They're the ones that will always see the fault, what's absent, what's not working, what's the problem, etc., versus seeing what is working. Now again, it's important to notice what is not working and address those things, but one can do it in a joyful way, again, by seeing what also is working while one addresses what is not working as well. And we kind of have a nickname in our society that's called joy sucks, right? Or kill joys, right? Those are the type of people that you can be having a great, awesome day. You're so excited and enthusiastic. You share that with a person, and it's like they poke holes in everything, right? And it's like literally through each hole they poke, it's like your joy leaves leaks out in different ways so that then after that encounter with that person you're like man life stinks <laughs> when just a moment before you're like life is awesome all right that can happen because again what happens for some folks when they themselves have lost that joy so much they try to take it from other people most times i find people don't do this intentionally it's just from that place of their own woundedness and their pain. They're essentially enslaved to that loss of joy. And that's why the prophet Isaiah is trying to help us to realize the Messiah came to restore that joy. So whenever I'm around someone who I like to say is that joy sucker, okay, and I can start to feel it when it's like they're <laughs> sucking it away, what I do internally is... I pray and I say, Lord, no, I'm not going to let them steal my joy, okay? Now, I don't say it out loud, in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone, joy sucker, okay? Uh, don't recommend that, all right? <laughs> but internally, I am praying against that stuff because I'm standing firm and saying, no, I'm not going to let the joy go. And what I try to pray is I say, Lord, give me more joy. Give me more joy to sustain my own joy, but also give me enough joy for this other person that they will start to find their joy in you, Lord, instead of trying to suck it away from everyone else. Because again, it's something that we should pray for when someone's experiencing that in their lives, that they will experience that restoration of joy, but we don't have to lose the joy that the Lord has given to us as we invite God's joy into that person's life and into their heart. And in the gospel today, we hear of St. John the Baptist. I like to say that St. John the Baptist is a prophet of joy. And sometimes people are surprised by that because that's not the image, unfortunately, that oftentimes is portrayed. St. John the Baptist is that saint who basically says, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that in order to prepare the way, and he eats locusts and wild honey in the desert. <laughs> That's what most people think of. But really, the whole message of St. John the Baptist making straight the path, he's preparing the way for the Messiah's joy. I have always envisioned St. John the Baptist as an extremely joyful person. And the reason is because he would not allow sin to suck away his joy and of how, through the baptism that he offered, that he would help to restore people's joy. Because again, joy is all about seeing what is present versus what is absent, where God desires to move in our lives. And that's what St. John the Baptist was always trying to do, 
help people to see the Messiah and to prepare for the way of the Messiah. So essentially, St. John the Baptist is a joy preparer. When he prepared the way of the Lord, make straight the path, get rid of those things that will suck away your joy and prepare your hearts to receive that true source of joy. Now, if you haven't caught it, we're one week away from Christmas. <laughs> a week from today, this church will be filled with Christmas decorations and by the grace of God, that plastic will no longer be there and we will have everything on that side of the church back to the way that it was. There is about to be an opportunity to celebrate the joy of Christmas. But whenever we prepare for Christmas, we prepare presents, right? I'm sure if you haven't finished all of your Christmas shopping, this week we'll be frantically trying to get whatever gifts you haven't gotten yet, okay? But as we prepare for Christmas this week, we should ask ourselves, what's going to be the gift that we're going to bring to the child Jesus? A week from now, this area is going to be filled with our nativity scene. This kneeler is going to be in front of the baby Jesus. And what's the gift that we're going to bring to Jesus for Christmas? It's good to get gifts for all of our loved ones. I affirm that. But we need to ask ourselves, what's the gift we're going to bring to Jesus? And I offer to you the gift that the child Jesus wants the most. Baby Jesus wants us to bring people to him who normally don't go to church. Those who have lost their joy and they don't realize that the things that they're going to are just numbing their pain rather than restoring their joy. That's the gift he wants. So I please encourage you this week, if you haven't already, invite someone to come to Christmas Mass. Whether it's here or if you're traveling wherever you're going, that's the gift that Jesus wants. And especially those on social media, please help us. Like our posts, you'll see we're very active this time of year, trying to offer all kinds of different stuff about Christmas because we're hoping you're going to like that stuff and share that stuff. And the way these algorithms work, the computer programs work on social media, the more you like our stuff, the more you share our stuff, the broader the reach goes, and people who otherwise might not see will see and be invited. So please be active, like our stuff, share our stuff, it's a great way to, again, offer that gift to the child Jesus. Maybe text someone you know, call them, give them a personal invitation, send an email, whatever way it is, but somehow invite someone to come. And when you come to church next week, please welcome those people who are coming. Sometimes I think the temptation is to say, oh, all these people who normally don't come, they're in my seat, they're in my pew, and we scowl at them. <laughs> Instead, let's smile at them. <laughs> and no offense to the ones who always like to sit on the pew, but maybe just on Christmas for baby Jesus, one can scoot to the center, just on Christmas, right? But again, if you've got a health reason, you've got to stay on the end, that's okay. But you can still smile at the person as they crawl over you, right? Okay? So we want to help people to feel welcome, to feel that joy. And that prepares the way for the Lord and really offers that gift that's so pleasing to Jesus. So today we say, Lord, we want to rejoice 
in you. We want to allow Christ to help to restore any ways that the evil one has stolen or robbed us of joy, to fill us up with joy again. And remember that as we let go of sin, we let go of those things that steal away that joy, and that the gift that the child Jesus wants us to give most this Christmas is by bringing someone to him that doesn't yet know him, who's forgotten him, that's the gift, so that we ourselves can rejoice in the Lord always, and we can help bring those to Jesus so that their joy will be restored as well.